baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Don't stress. Listen to the podcast at WTIC.com or on the free Odyssey app. Free Odyssey, please, free Odyssey. She can't get out. She can't escape. 860522. She can't. I was just reading this story about this um came out a couple months ago and and um i recall reading it and being bamboozled by by how crazed the schools have gotten hartford schools face high rates of chronic absenteeism now there's a simple promising solution being tried and you know what the solution is they the the adults in the school go and get them or they have volunteer parents who walk the kids around the schools are fully committed now to taking on every possible job to make sure that they are fully entrenched in everything about education. We got, everyone's gotten used to the fact that the schools are failures at educating and squander huge amounts of money and are, are part of bankrupting the state with the, you know, with the union thing. And they just look for new jobs all the time to do and the democrats help them get those jobs because it means more voters for them we've got to get rid of these public schools because they are the thing along with you know the other public sector union jobs that's what's broken democracy in america 8605229842 the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, Mark Christopher, is there reporting to us. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, all right, all right. Time for us to play our rants. 860-522-9842. If you want to call in during the rants, you are welcome to. And the rant line number, 860-751-4698. Rants are a fun time. Let's get them going. Hey, Todd, uh, I was listening to your uh, first segment about science and the future of AI. Oh, yesterday with Michael Harrison. Yes, we had a wonderful conversation about artificial intelligence. I just want to point out that AI stands for artificial intelligence. Does anybody think that the possibility of actually dumbing down humans is a possibility? Are you suggesting we need to be dumbed down? I don't follow. I mean, we seem to be pretty smart as it is without all this artificial stuff. Oh. It's just a question to ask. See you. Well, imagine what it will be like when we have 
when our brains are connected to the Internet seamlessly. And when we think and are looking for a piece of information like we normally do, we would know everything. Imagine that. We wouldn't need our memories anymore. We wouldn't need our own processing power anymore. We could look for a thought in our head and we would have the most, we would have Einstein in there. We would be Beethoven in there. We would doodle a little note to somebody and it would come out like Picasso. Because the whole history of human experience, knowledge, and abilities could just be stored in our brain. Well, it's all on the Internet and we'd be able to access it. Because we will be connected creatures. Hey, Todd, it's John from Rocky Hill. Yeah, John. I'm just listening to you, and Don is on the line. And as always, he's always complaining about poor people can't get nowheres. Well, that you know, it's good we have him complaining about it because he represents a lot of people who don't necessarily speak enough on our airwaves. I when I bought my first house, it was in 1988. Um, I had a $100,000 mortgage. Me and my wife's combined salary was only $36,000, and interest rate was 12%. Oh, that's right. And we yeah. made it because we made sure we skimped and made sure we made those bills. So I don't want to hear it. People can make it if they want to. Thanks. Well, that's true. I think what you're saying is true, too, and what Don is saying has some truth to it as well. And because people are different, some people don't have the ability. Plus... School used to teach you things, and and now it it uh, now it makes sure that you're that you don't have to buy your own period. What was the phrase they used? Oh, period poverty. Yeah, yeah. There 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 didn't used to be period poverty, but now there is. That's that's the story. Hey, Todd, American Patriot. And last Friday, you had a caller call up and say how smart your callers were, and he wanted to be the smartest one of them all. Well, that's true. They are smart. Let's see if we can prove the point right now. Let's go to uh, Julie and Meriden. Hi, Julie. Hi. Um, it's nice to talk to you. I want to um, talk about the woman that was on before about beating her children. Yes, Sam. Okay, so I have a different aspect to that. Um, I was whipped when I was a child, and um, I have no respect for my parents for doing that. Mm -hmm. And I can say that it caused PTSD. I never hit my children as they were growing up. I have two 30-year-olds and one that's 23, and they respect me gratefully. And what and, what do you think was do you think there was a difference in your experience from other people's? Do you think there is a way that corporal punishment can be used that's constructive and in a way your parents maybe went overboard with it? I don't think they went overboard. I just think that was the norm then. And you know, I just I committed to myself that there was no way I was going to hit my child because I knew what it felt like. And there had to be a different way. So you didn't perceive your parents to be abusive or over the top or 
expressing uh, emotion through the spankings rather than the discipline that you needed? You had none of those thoughts? No, it was just I, if I did something wrong, I got the belt. And it just didn't, you know, and it wasn't like I did anything major or I was disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just, geez, I got caught smoking, so I get the belt. So that you was know, how they did discipline. That was, that was the only way they disciplined you. Yeah. And did you was, have siblings? Um, devastating. Yes, I did. Did they have the same experience and or reaction? Um. Well, it's hard to say. Um, my younger sister, she didn't get it. As, I'm the middle child. Mm-hmm. So I guess I got it the most. I can say that. Um, and my older brother was, uh, I really didn't see what was going on with him. But I just remember when I got hit like that, I mean, the welts that you would get, you know, in the summertime and they're across my legs. And it was horrible. Yeah. And I can tell you the last time I got that was... Um, I was getting hit, and it was my father, and I kicked him where he would never hit me again. <laughs> and so, so you uh, got your point across, but you wish you could have done it a lot sooner, right? I was afraid to, yeah. but as I got older, I was just I couldn't take it. I was just like, you know, this isn't right. And I said I'd never do it to my children, and I haven't. And I, they have a lot of respect for me. It's um. I, you know, I, I think I would react, had I been treated that way, I would react just like you did, and I wouldn't have found any respect. And I, I was thinking when Sam was talking that that it's, kids have nothing to compare it to. So if they feel like you loved them and you were, and hitting them as an act of love, then they might think that's the only way to get a kid to be raised properly. But I, I don't believe that's the only way. I believe there are some times and certainly some kids who maybe can't be reached any other way. And that's why I think parents have to have the leeway to, uh, to, to spank if they need to, if they feel compelled to. But I would only use it in rare circumstances. I don't, and it, it sounded like Sam was saying that too. I'm not sure how much she actually did it, but... Uh, she did well, say the, the last... The other thing is, though, too, yep. as my kids were growing up, and it was at the time when if you touched your kid and your kid mentioned it at school, DCF, mm-hmm. right away. And, you know, so you, as as in that generation, you were also afraid to touch your kids. I made that decision, but then I heard what was going on, and, like, they would have the kids write about their weekends, and what did you do over the weekend? And <laughs> Of course, my child says, oh, my family was sitting down playing poker and we were playing with pennies, you know, and it was just like, but they would, it's like they pried into the the family's life. Mm -hmm. So how can you have the, um, the overhand of, you know, controlling your children when you've got the schools um, butting in as to how you want to raise your child? Julie, thank you for making the call. It's great to get the other side of the story in there reporting that Nancy Pelosi's husband had a male escort, the guy who attacked him. Well, it turns out none of that's true, and you have some really, really dumb callers full of conspiracy theories, and that guy turned out to be the dumbest one of them all. There's Mr. Smarty Pants straighten everybody out. What do you think? 
Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> I love this calling this rant line that I found it, but it's a good place for me to start my new campaign for for uh, campaigning against the cigarette butts. We're going to call it Lamont's Butt Tax. The Butt Tax. I <laughs> get it. If you got a butt, I'm going to tax you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes with those Dems, always making that government bigger and more oppressive, and they call that success. Senator Martin Looney is introducing a bill that would automatically assure that any motorcyclist that is killed on the road and did not wear a helmet, his organs would be automatically donated, regardless of whether he gave permission or not. Isn't that something? That's for real. He wants to have a required organ donation for anybody who's killed riding a motorcycle without a helmet. The oppressors are everywhere. It's remarkable. Joe and Harwinson. Hello there, Joe. Hi, how you doing? Hey, uh, I guess a few callers back, you had somebody mentioning worrying about society being dumbed down because of AI. Um, I don't know if it's looked around lately, but I think we're pretty much, uh, you know, We've done the dumbing down. down. We've done the dumbing down, so it's just natural for AI to take over, I guess. I mean, you got, <laughs> you got kids eating Tide Pods. You get people thinking they're boys when they've got girl parts and vice versa. Men can get pregnant. All, all this nonsense. So, you know, uh, I, I think society's already done itself in with the uh, dumbing down aspect. So yeah, well, that's pretty yeah, interesting. Good, so, so bring on the AI, you say? Bring on the AI. You know, just just either that or just the uh, sweet meteor of death would be even better. I'm I'm always hoping for that one too. The just what? Sweet meteor of death. You've never heard that one, Smog? No. Oh, it's pretty much just you know, sweet meteor of death. Just please take us all out now because it's a uh, We've had enough. Send on the, the huge random projectile and put us out of our misery. Interesting, Joe. Thank you for that. Uh, bottom line, uh, Biden and Mayorkas should be impeached and removed. And if uh, Harris is, is worse than Biden, uh, if Harris is worse than Biden, impeach in Harris as well. And then we got uh, McCarthy waiting in the wings. That's my rant for today, buddy. And thanks for all you do. That's a little rant fragment. It suddenly popped up. I don't know, I don't know how that happened. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Adam in East Hartford. Hey Adam. Yes, Adam. All right. I guess Adam got distracted by the Playboy magazine on the seat next to him. Let's try George and Vernon. Hey George. Hey, how are you? What's up? I I think there's a difference between a spanking and a beating. Well, that's a good point. Those are, that's uh, two different things. A spanking is kind of putting your kids in line or just uh, remembering. And a beating is completely different. Yes, because then you're talking. One is um, violence, and, and and one is a disciplined, controlled response to bad behavior that should be predictable. I mean, that's how it should be done. George, thank you for making that point. I appreciate it. Hey, Todd. Hey, I had to drive throughout the state of Connecticut this week, and pretty much everywhere you go, there's DOT people on the side of the road picking up garbage 
orange truck people. Mm -hmm. Is it really necessary to have these union hacks that make 80 or $90,000 a year with benefits pick up garbage on the side of the road? Well, we shouldn't have union hacks in the first place, and then we wouldn't have that concern. You know, it's not about what jobs they're doing. It's about that they exist. Because if they exist, they're going to do everything. Can't we have the prisoners do that or contract that's, it out? That's how it should be. Yeah. Do we really have to have high-paid union people picking up trash on the side of the highways? You do because there are high-paid union people, and they've got a lot of leverage. And that's the uh, that's the problem with the whole deal. Jim in Hebron. Hi, Jim. Hey, how's it going? What's up? I just wanted to make a comment on the family uh, talk. Um yeah, I'm 38, uh, you know, when I was younger, and I messed up, um, you know, bad. Uh, you know, my dad, you know, would hit me with a belt, but not to the point where, you know, it was overboard or excessive. And, you know, I have the utmost respect for him and, and all that. But the major thing that I see nowadays is that family values are dropped down to the point where, you know, kids walk in on holidays. They don't say hi to you. They don't shake their your you know your, your hand. I was growing up, you know, to walk in and shake my grandfather's hand and you know hug my grandmother and yeah. But that's not hi. the kind of that doesn't require spankings. That requires consistency. No, no, I'm, yeah, yeah, no. It's two different topics I kind of hit on, but um, okay. I'm just saying, you know, nowadays these kids are just. You know, I don't know if it's family values or what, but it just seems um, a lot different. Um, I, I I don't know. If you why respect it is. your kids, you teach them what they need to know. Yeah, and what I'm saying is is that you know I see kids from good families and and stuff like that, but they're not teaching them that. They don't know and, how to do the handshake, the look in the eye. The expressions of respect. You're right. Thank you for that, Jim. We've got to run to a traffic update. The BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, where Mark Christopher has the latest for us on the ride home. Mark. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the Todd Feinberg Show on the free Odyssey app. Download and like WTIC and follow Todd Feinberg today. It always sounds presumptuous to me that I should be followed. I should follow you. David Brantford, hi. Yeah, Todd, I noticed this week the, C- the CDC lifted their ban on uh, gay folks, active gay folks donating blood. Yeah, they changed all the rules. They changed the rules. It's been that way since 1986. I suspect pressure from the LGBT community because of the stigma involved sure. in not being able to donate blood had a large part in the Biden putting the arm on the CDC to do this. Mm-hmm. And when I researched this, and it's not a good idea. I don't want to be a bigot, but I don't want blood from uh, drawn from the San Francisco Bay Area if I need blood. And I'll just leave that standing. While I researched this phone call, I noticed they also suspended the ban, which applied to my brother, who lived in uh, London for five years in the 90s, mm-hmm. because of the concern about mad cow disease. People who lived in the British Isles or France were not allowed to donate blood, which they suspended that restriction in October of 2022, which we did not hear anything about. I didn't hear anything about it until I went on the Internet to see what rules applied for donating blood. And were those uh, people putting the squeeze on, too? Uh, I have no idea. There is no civil rights group for people who lived in Europe in the 90s. (laughs) But I'm just throwing (laughs) it out there. There should be. If, If you poisoned my well, I'll never trust you for the rest of my life or that water well. And I don't trust Biden and his CDC with this decision they've cooked up. Yeah, it, for letting me say it. It is a uh, certainly a politically charged thing. Thank you for saying it. Nice to have you here, Adam East Hartford. Hey, Adam. So let me say it. Hello. Yes, Adam. Uh, I'd like to talk about um, uh, mental health because you had that lady on that had to take the shock um, treatment. Um, when somebody needs like a prescription. Um, for insomnia, they prescribe an anti-anxiety drug that can cause hallucinations and um, uh, bad behavior. Um, that's kind of bad, huh? Well, it sounds like the cure might be worse than the problem. That's scary, huh? Sounds like it could be trouble for sure. Thank you, Adam. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Well. You wonder what's happening now. It's that sound that gives you the tip-off. Mark Christopher's in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, and this is when, if all things are going well, the traffic is winding down. Is that where we are, Mark? Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thursday afternoon. We've got a guest coming up, but we've also got Reese here. I was giving you the day off, Reese. 
Oh, why would you do that, man? Come on, I got a commitment to be here, man. This is my homie well, B Money. But you're group. working. You're doing fill-ins. Yeah, you're busy. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I, and to be honest with you, I actually wanted to talk to you because I was going to ask you for some brotherly advice, if you will. Oh, okay. I, well, I, could, I dispense that very quickly. So Okay, let's, good. Um, so how long have you been married, if you don't mind me asking? Um, 40 years. Four zero? Yes. Wow. Okay. So I've been married four times, or at least I'm about to be. <laughs> oh, so there's some symmetry between us. There you go. So... If you may have heard, I'm actually getting married on Valentine's Day. It is my fourth. Congratulations. And you having 40 years, obviously, I would consider you a savant. Like, you know your stuff. You've obviously been able to manage it for that long. Me, not so much. What would you give a guy like me who's on his fourth to have 40 years of blissful marriage as you have? What's my advice for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, you don't need any because you've gotten so much practice. You're going to be spectacular. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nice you have cop. made every mistake that a man can make. How could you? Uh, well, that might be true. <laughs> that very well might be true. But you don't think that there are any secrets to it, or you think it's just the luck of the draw? Um, you know, be be nice and be mature. and Right. And, all of which uh, I was not during the other three. Exactly. So you, you've outgrown all that garbage you did before. Yeah, I think this one's going to be. I, I I think this is going to be different because I see the relationship completely different than any of the others. And we're talking about any relationship I've ever had. I, I find it to be incredibly different. Um, but you, so, you know, let's not forget you've been through incredible things in your life, and that that you know you have two options as a person. You mm-hmm. uh, you allow you allow experience to grow you. Mm-hmm. Or you insist on being the same dope your whole life, and and you're <laughs> and you're of the previous group, so I, I'm not worried about you at all. Yeah, really. Well, I appreciate that. I think I think I've matured a great deal. I've, I've definitely learned a lot of perspective in life, and I think I learned a lot of gratitude, which is under the circumstances which I that I met Roseanne under was a growing sort of uh, platform in my life. So it's like my life started to grow in a very uh, meaningful way and mm-hmm. I met her at that right time and you have no idea like I've, I don't think I've ever felt the way I do about this individual not just as somebody who's my partner but just as a person I love being around her well I, that's I an awesome that. thing too and you know from the little contact I've had with mm-hmm. you uh, with regard to you know picking up what's going on in your personal life I can tell you guys have a good thing happening because yeah. I feel a partnership there yeah, it is, and it's uh, it's an amazing partnership. It's, it's unheard of. It's not going over very well with a lot of other people in my life, but I guess because there are some people who are saying, "Don't do it again," and "Why bother?" and just and I th- kind of feel like people have lost the uh, spirit, the spirit, yeah, of marriage. Yeah, but uh, it's also which, not dangerous. Like, what are they talking about? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, they talk about it like it's dangerous. You know, and maybe they're looking at it from an aspect of like alimony and, you know, divorce court and that sort of respect, you know, but they they make it seem like I'm uh, what was that? I think Bill Burr said that thing about going, hey, uh, what are you um, jumping out of an airplane without a parachute? I think he says he says, you know, 50 percent of all marriages fail. And he says, imagine jumping out of an airplane and 50 percent of all parachutes don't have a parachute in them. Well, I, like, I think. If that were if that were a good uh, equivalent, then uh, people wouldn't be getting married. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't believe that's a, a fair equivalent. I think it's. That's an all right, Reese. I've loved this conversation as Not I love all sorry. of ours. I've got a wonderful guest here. I'm going to talk to. Go now. for it. Go. Thank for you it. so much. My pleasure, sir. All right, and I'll see you uh, next time. Bye. Yes, sir. That's Reese on the radio right there. Joining us now is Jennifer Grossman. Jennifer Grossman is the uh, the head honcho at the Atlas Society, I believe it is. Jennifer, thanks for being here. It's wonderful to be here. Thank did you. I, did I introduce you properly? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've been the CEO at the Atlas Society coming up on my seven-year anniversary. So, Congratulations. So I no, guess you've got you've got the feel for it. Getting there, yes, I would say. It's, tell you know, tell people what it is and what what the job entails, and because uh, you know, the, there's so much about this whole world that we're trying here to open up to our audience. Because I feel like the solution lies in in your direction. Well, um, I'd be delighted to. So, the Atlas Society was founded well over 30 years ago by David Kelly, uh, a Princeton-trained philosopher and a longtime student of Ayn Rand, spoke at both her funeral and uh, her, her husband's funeral. And um, it was a little bit academic in its orientation. For uh, much of that time, uh, the board recruited me seven years ago, and um it was a wonderful opportunity because I had uh, always been a fierce devotee of Ayn Rand and her work. I thought it was very liberating, very empowering, particularly as a woman. And um, they gave me the opportunity to really try to reinvent and re reinvigorate the organization. And uh, I had spent most of my career in the private sector and business and uh, particularly the last uh, 20 years have seen huge disruptions in terms of how um, ideas are communicated. And I had uh, also in a previous incarnation been um, a, uh, a senior scholar for um, education policy at the Cato Institute. Wow. And I just saw that the think tank space really was not taking advantage of all of these new technologies. And I also saw that there was not a lot of activity in that space in terms of leveraging art. And, of course, Ayn Rand called art the um, ideal medium for the communication of a moral ideal. And so that has also informed a lot of, of what we've done in the, uh, in the past so, few years. So the Atlas Society is a think tank? It's a think tank. I, you know, I... I sometimes um, don't quite know what to call us because traditional think tanks, you know, they put out policy papers and white papers and studies and proposals for changing this law and that law. And that is really not what we do. We, we have a laser focus on connecting with young people ages, you know, 15 to 30 and uh, engaging them with Ayn Rand's literature and her philosophy in fun and creative ways. So, ah, like so you're a video. liberty incubator. Kind of like that, yeah. I mean, and we do really take that sort of startup mentality. Um, 
we've I've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> still still doing that, but I, I think it's having that um, embrace of risk taking and making mistakes, learning from mistakes, pivoting, doing something new. Without that, we wouldn't have grown to the position that we are today, which is really a dominant force in um, this this sphere of the liberty space, which is which is uh, Ayn Rand and objectivism. So you're, um, I get the feeling from a couple of things you said that that you're trying to inject more fun into these ideas of Ayn Rand's, of small government, of personal liberty, of freedom, as, to me, these are inevitable outcomes for the human experience. We have to end up in that direction. We have to get rid of government as it is today, the oppressive force that it is, and the license that it feels it has to just uh, use our money and our power to enhance their own money and power and we, we you know mankind requires it progress requires it so i i have this sense that there's a lot of stodginess and a lot of into intellectual protectionism going on in the world of these ideas and it really that's not what it's all about it's not not about fighting about nuanced differences in the meanings of of one thread's uh, interpretation of things versus another. It's uh, let's all get together and celebrate the beauty of the ideas of Ayn Rand. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, as I said, having been in the private sector and now coming back into the nonprofit sector, I think part of that stodginess and lack of innovation, ironically, right? Ayn Rand celebrated businessmen. She celebrated capitalism and entrepreneurship, but I haven't found enough of that kind of, you know, business sense and uh, entrepreneurial risk-taking and creativity in this space. Um, I also think that there is um, the fact that it is, we are in a nonprofit space. People don't necessarily feel that cutting edge brunt of being in the market, right? Uh, which prompts you to, to be more competitive. And I always like to start with a respect for our customers and a respect for our consumers. And I use that distinction actually comes out of my old days uh, when I was a senior vice president at Dole's Food Company, new to that space. And I had a hard time when people were just talking about, oh, we got to do this thing with that customer and that. And I just thought, well, aren't the customers the people that are buying the bananas? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 those are the consumers. Those are the customers of our customers. Our customers are the retail. So having that distinction in mind, the customers, for anybody running a think tank or an organization like this, uh -huh. These are the people, this is where your revenue comes from. These are the people that are your donors. You've got to be respectful of them, and you've got to understand that they have a lot of options for who they're going to, quote, unquote, hire to go and accomplish the objectives that they desire, in this case, moving us towards that freer, uh, more classically liberal society in which government leaves people alone. Um, and so you need to make that value proposition to them. And then the same thing with your consumers. In this case, your consumers are the people who are consuming your content, your message, your events, 
your products. And for those, for, for us, those are our students. And we need to be respectful of what they are looking for, also respectful of their time, not coming to them and saying, this is what you have to consume. This is the way you have to believe it. Do it this way. Do it that way. If you don't agree with us, you're stupid. Good luck with that kind of approach. Uh, it doesn't really work very well in, in the marketplace. Well, it's a, that, But it's a very difficult thing on any level to express ideas of societal structure when there's so much uh, bias towards the status quo. People are uh, don't see the problems with what is nearly as much as they panic over uh, a, a new idea that might be 100 times better, but they've never seen it before, that, so they assume all the worst is inevitable, and that with what is, they assume that the worst things don't exist. Yes, and I think there's also a variation on that in that we are wired to look for threats. We are wired to recognize problems, right? If our ancestors didn't do that, sure. they would have ended up as, as lunch, and yep. their genes would not have been passed down. So while we are sort of evolutionarily uh, wired to look for things that could be problems, all of the wonderful things that are going right in our lives, personal lives, in our communities, in our country, in the world, that we just tend to take them for granted and we almost become uh, ungrateful about what it was that took uh, humanity out of these, you know, eons and eons of darkness when life was nasty, brutish, and short, and led to this great enrichment. And of course, that was capitalism. That was the Enlightenment ideals of individual rights and property. And those aren't givens. Those are things that need to be uh, tended to. They need to be cared for. Otherwise, they just tend to disintegrate. And we've, we've seen that before. I mean, uh, in Latin America, because we've, we've gone increasingly international, one of our biggest audiences, believe it or not, mm. is Venezuela. Hard to believe since 7 million people have fled that country. Well, they the have, country they've gotten the inspiration, yeah. right? They've been fed what they need to be fed to need you. We're talking to Jennifer Grossman. She is the CEO of the Atlas Society, and I'm afraid we're out of time. I do want to say your website looks terrific, and I love the um, how contemporary it feels and how alive it feels. It doesn't f feel like it, it wants to bog you down with intellectualism, but it wants to get you on board with something right. exciting, so that's a great thing. Yeah. Go to uh, Atlas, atlassociety.org, Atlas right? And also, you know, for those who are on social media, check out our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, even our TikTok. I'm glad you're doing it all. Jennifer, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. All right, that's it for tonight. And let's turn to Mark Christopher and find out what's going on in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark, have a great night, sir. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.